So this morning, as we are starting uh, Mark chapter 8, and we'll actually probably be the last time we're in Mark for a while, at least through the summer. But, and I know it's strange you begin the chapter and then t- cut a break off, but this section actually kind of follows from the previous section. So we're kind of finishing off a larger section and then cutting a break. Um, and even then, we're still kind of cutting into the middle of a section. But we'll be starting Mark 8, looking at verses 1 through 10 this morning. And this section is known as the feeding of the 4,000. This comes on the heels of Jesus healing the daughter of the Syrophoenician woman and the deaf man with the speech impediment. This tells us, and this is why we're kind of including it and before we're, we're making the stop, is because it's, it's right on the heels. It tells us that we are still, that Jesus is still in Gentile territory following that confrontation with the Pharisees about traditions. He's still on that circuit through Gentile territory. And earlier in chapter 7, Jesus challenged the heart of the Pharisees in that confrontation. And then he again withdrew from Israel, from Galilee, and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon and remet that Gentile woman who showed faith in him anyway. And as we pick up this account, we see that this is part of his withdrawal. We see him to continue his ministry among the Gentiles. And really for the section, it's kind of the big idea of the section here is Jesus continues to minister to the Gentiles. Jesus continues to minister to the Gentiles. This brings us, let's go ahead and get into the text, Mark chapter one, or Mark Mark chapter eight, beginning in verse one. We'll look at verses one through five first. Mark 8, beginning in verse one. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way for some have come from afar. Then his disciples answered him, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? He asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. So in verses one to five, we see Jesus's compassion. Jesus's compassion there in verses one through five. Now it starts in those days. This note is for us to understand that what Mark is saying is that Jesus and the 12 are still on their tour of Phoenicia and and the Decapolis. They are still in the Decapolis, withdrawn from the Galilee, withdrawn from the Jews. They are in an area that was Gentile by majority. We also see there in those days the multitude being very great. A large crowd has formed around Jesus since the healing of the deaf man in chapter 7, verse 35. The parallel account in Matthew 15 actually gives a longer, doesn't, um, Matthew doesn't bring out that specific deaf man, but indicates a larger healing ministry that Jesus has during this time. And it seems that this, this is that crowd that has formed around Jesus for this healing ministry. 
The verse one tells us that they have nothing to eat here. The crowd seems to have been with Jesus in an eagerness for a longer time with them. And they may be there, have, they may have been there longer than they had expected and had exhausted their food. Jesus, knowing this, seeing this, he calls the 12 to them and he discusses what is to be done. Now, why does he call the 12 to him? Well, a major part of this withdrawal from Galilee was for Jesus to intentionally spend time training and instructing the 12. So it seems that he didn't want to perform this miracle, to to provide the feeding for this crowd without including them, without drawing their attention to the need and getting their reaction. It has also been noted that Jesus was continuing their training even here. He is preparing them to understand that God isn't the God of the Jews only, but also to the Gentiles. Paul talks about that in Romans 3.29. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. He is Even with this, he is training the 12 and preparing them, trying to get them to open their eyes a little bit and realize that God is God of all people. He cares for all people. Jesus specifically says, I have compassion on the multitude. And he says that the crowd has stayed with or followed him for three days. This crowd had come to him and Wound, and, and many had to remain, came and remained with him. They seemed to have been eager, to be in an eager and receptive mood of what he had to offer. They wanted to keep this face-to-face relationship with him for three days. Now, as I mentioned, Matthew 15 shows that Jesus had this healing ministry and that was part of that three-day period, likely. But we see that that has now come to an end And that if any had brought food, all their their supplies have been depleted. Jesus comments that some have gone a great distance. This reminds us that the region was more spread out than the densely populated Galilee, where you had a larger city and, and villages around and you went to city to city. The Decapolis, you had 10 cities on a very spread out. And yeah, they probably had some outlying villages, but it was a good distance from some of these cities. And uh, they were, I don't think Mark mentions it, Matthew mentions it. Oh, Mark does mention it down in verse four. Uh, the disciples bring up where are we, how can one satisfy the people with bread here in the wilderness? They weren't even in a city. They were out in the hill country. They were out in the wilderness area. It's not like they could just run to town and find the nearest high V and get enough bread. In, in chapter 6, verse 34, Jesus' compassion is highlighted there also about the 5,000, or at least about the people there in general. But there, what was highlighted was his compassion about the spiritual condition of the multitude. One author calls it their spiritual destitution because he looked at them as a sheep without a shepherd. Here, 
he gives the cause of, their, of his compassion for them was a physical need, their, food, their, their need of food. Jesus, this reminds us of Jesus' humanity. Not only did he understand the normal feeling of hunger, but he also understood the pangs of hunger that many in the crowd were likely feeling or beginning to feel too after three days or beginning the lack of food because he spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting. So he deeply emphasized with them. Jesus is concerned for the crowd's physical needs. He's not wanting to send them home. Home was likely would be too far away in some cases. He says he's concerned that if he sends them home in this state, that some will likely faint, collapsing from fatigue. That word faint literally means to unloose, to set free, weaken. The word's been used uh, with the idea of, of loosening a bowstring from a, a bow and arrows. You loosen your bowstring. That's the word that's being used here. Now, it's possible that here, Jesus, remembering the disciples' response last time, back in chapter 6, that their response was to send them home. This wasn't an option, and Jesus was making it clear that it was not an option. Like, we can't, no, I have compassion on them. They've been with me three days. Some of them have come from afar. We need, what are we going to do? The 12 then ask how one could feed this large of a group. Now, Mark shows the, Mark's account here, shows the disciples giving a more general question about anyone's ability to feed or to provide for this crowd, especially in this wilderness setting that they're in, where, where there weren't cities and resources nearby. Matthew's account shows the disciples seeing it as their responsibility, seeing it as their responsibility again and realizing it's beyond their ability. Now, one of, I didn't mention this earlier, some, uh, some scholars discuss and, and even question whether the feeding of the 4,000 was an actual separate event or if Matthew and Mark was just retelling a portion of the feeding of the 5,000. I don't hold with that. I think that's very clear and there's, things can be discussed that it is a separate event. Now, even though the feeding of the 5,000 is found in all four Gospels, Matthew and Mark are the only ones to include, the, to discuss the feeding of the 4,000. And why Luke and John didn't do that, I don't know. We'll have to ask them when we get to heaven. But Matthew and Mark are the only ones to include the feeding of the 4,000. And the, one of the biggest arguments that this would be uh, a repeat or just rehashing of this is that the disciples seem to completely lose the idea or forget of what happened with the 5,000. How can anyone provide for such a large crowd? Really, guys? Come on. <laughs> 
So that so this question because they seem to they their response seems to forget the feeding of the five thousand. So this becomes one of the largest arguments against this being an actual event. But that's not necessarily true. One author comments here, it's a common observation that believers frequently forget God's amazing dealings with them in the past when confronted with some new crisis. It's a common observation that believers frequently forget God's amazing dealings with them in the past when confronted with some new crisis. People tend to be right here. I can't get past this. Probably the, when I read that, that sentence, the first thing that came to mind was, yeah, just like Israel in the wilderness. Go through numbers. Moses, why did you bring us out here? We're gonna die. We should have stayed in Egypt. Moses, why do we have just this terrible bread? We had vegetables and fish in Egypt. Moses, there's no water. Come on, guys. The disciples asked how anyone has the ability to, to feed such a large crowd, seemingly to forget the feeding of the 5,000, likely the same, same thing that plagues us, the same thing that plagued the Israelites back in Numbers. But that doesn't stop. Jesus simply asked the 12 about their resources. How many loaves do you have? They've been traveling for a while. They may have picked up other supplies and resources on, on their trip. What do they have? Well, they answer, well, would they have, we have seven. We have seven loaves. Now, to their credit, the 12 didn't repeat the question that John recorded of them in John 6, 9 about the five loaves and the two fish. Jesus asks, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. They go and they find the boy with five loaves and two fish. He says, this is what we found. What is this amongst so many? To their credit, that question is not here in Mark or in Matthew. They may have figured a few things out. So to their credit, they did not ask that question. What are these among so many? And they respond with seven. We have seven loaves. This may have been even the last of the disciples' own food, the last of, their, of the group of those 13, of, of the 12 in Jesus. Mark mentions later, down in verse 7, that a few small fish are found as well. But Matthew includes it right away. We have seven loaves and a few small fish. Uh, these small fish will later be included in the meal as well. So they have just seven loaves and a few fish. Three, four, we don't know. We don't, we're not given a number. This is what we have. This is what is available. So this brings us into verse six. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to, this, to the disciples to set before them. And they set them before the multitude. 
They also had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said to them also, and said to set them also before them. So they ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. Immediately, he got into the boat with his disciples and came to the region of of Dalmanutha. So in verses 6 through 10, we see a provision of grace. Provision of grace. Jesus takes the seven loaves from from the disciples. Great. He has the crowd sit down. Maybe the disciples went through and had them, had them sit. Hey, start sitting down. We're, something's coming. Sit down. There is no indication here, either in Mark or in Matthew that they sat in groups like they did with the 5,000 of 50s and 100s. Maybe they did, and that's how we get the number down at the end. But we, it's not mentioned. They may have sat in, in groups of 50s and 100s, but there's no indication given here. And Jesus does the same thing. He takes the bread. He gives thanks for the bread. He breaks it, and he begins giving to the disciples and having the disciples serve. As before, the disciples went through and served all the bread to the people, and Jesus continued to multiply that bread miraculously, and he just kept providing, handing it to the disciple, giving some to the disciple, and then going out. The fish are found. Maybe someone in the crowd shared it, say, hey, I've got these few fish, take them. We don't know, they're just, they're found, they're brought in. And Jesus repeats the process. He blesses them, he breaks them, and he gives them to disciples to set before the people. Now, different words are used here in verses six to seven of Jesus's prayer. In verse six, it says, he gave thanks. And in verse seven, he says he blessed the fish. Now, these are synonymous and likely just a reference to the usual prayer before a meal. There's, I did a little uh, looking quick, and there are about six traditional Jewish prayers that are said before eating or drinking. Five of them are, are rather specific. There is one for bread, if it's any of one of five specific grains. Then there's one if it's a mixed grain. Um, then there is one specifically for grape juice or wine. And then there's one for a little bit. There's a few other ones. But there's a sixth one. The sixth one is a little bit more all-inclusive. And it, it could be used if you can't say any of the top of those other five, you say this one. And it's very common even now. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, by whose word all things came to be. This is used for fish, eggs, dairy, anything that's not lit, that was not provided for in those other five prayers. So it's possible that this was the one Jesus said over either over both of them or at least over the fish. There is one that's a little more specific to bread, depending on what that bread was. He may have said it one a little differently. But something maybe similar to that prayer. The food was dispersed. The crowd ate and were filled. That verse is nearly 
identical to chapter 6, verse 42. The crowd ate and were filled. The people were filled. The English Standard Version reads, satisfied. They ate and were satisfied. They were all able to eat until their hunger was satiated. The 12 are sent out again to collect the leftovers. And they collect enough to fill seven large baskets. Now here's something else that seems to show that this is a separate occurrence from the feeding of the 5,000. We have a different word for basket here. Now the New King James actually translates it as large basket. Other versions just say basket. But this is a different type, evidently larger than the 12 baskets that were, that were filled with the feeding of the 5,000. This type of basket was more typical in a Gentile setting and has been described as capable of holding 50 loaves of bread. The same word used for basket here is also used in Acts 9, verse 25, when Paul is lowered over the wall of Damascus by other believers in what? A basket. That's the same word that's used here. The word that is used in Mark 6 for the 12 baskets is a smaller kind of basket. It was a more Jewish kind of basket that they would pack with food as they're going on a trip. This was a larger one. And also something to note, both in Matthew and Mark, when Jesus is, we'll see this a little bit later, further down in the chapter, when Jesus asks the disciples, hey, when I fed the 5,000, how many baskets did you get back? When I fed the 4,000, how many baskets did you get back? He uses the differing words with the correct sections. He uses the word for the 12 baskets that's used there in the 5,000. He uses the same word that's referenced there. When he's asking about the 4,000, he uses the same basket that we have here. He uses them in the right spot, in the right spot, referring to the right account. Now, there is no further mention of these seven baskets of food. Maybe the food was shared among those who had a longer journey to go. Uh, it doesn't appear that the disciples kept any of it. Uh, as we would see a little bit later on um, in chapter here for, in, in chapter 8, verse 14. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have any more then one loaf with them in the boat, verse 16, and they reason among themselves, it's because we have no bread. That account seems to be right on the heels of this, so it appears that the disciples didn't take any of this leftover food with them. Whereas likely what happened in chapter 6 was that those 12 remaining baskets were with the disciples. Mark again at the, well, Matthew as well, again, at the end of the section tells us that 4,000 were fed. About 4,000 were fed. 
Mark records at the end the number fed, showing the wonder of the miracle. That it was that it was a very great multitude, and Christ provided bread and fish for four thousand to feed this large crowd. Now, Mark only tells us that it's about 4,000. Matthew, again, tells us that it's at least 4,000 men. Matthew's account is the one that notes that it's just men that are numbered at 4,000. And maybe because we have the number of 4,000, they did sit in groups of hundreds and they could easily count up. But Matthew also notes that the number of fed were 4,000 men beside the number of women and children. So that total was, again, was greater than 4,000. Some have guessed upwards of fifteen to 20,000 people. Now, some try to interpret the meaning of why the Gentile crowd was less than the crowd of the Jews, which was 5,000. I don't really think that's necessarily important. Some, some have a nice idea of like, well, it's 4,000. So that represents the four corners of the compass showing all the nations, all the world. Like, that's a nice thought. Maybe a bit of a stretch. I'm not gonna go there. Um, I really don't think it's super necessarily important at this time. Other than perhaps reflecting that the nation of Israel was Jesus's primary target for his mission and ministry. In Matthew 15, 24, when he is speaking to that Syrophoenician woman, he says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. They were his primary. But he was still in a Gentile area. He still ministered to them. He still provided for them. He still had compassion on them. So I don't think there's a huge theological reason why the Jew there were 5,000 Jewish men that got fed, plus a large number of women and children, versus 4,000 Gentiles that got fed. Other than, likely, Jesus' primary focus was on the house of Israel. And the, and the Gentiles were beginning to be included in that ministry. Now, again, we see that Jesus himself dismisses the crowd. Having finished the meal and the cleanup, Jesus, again, personally dismisses the crowd. We don't have any record of the crowd's reaction to the meal, miracle, certainly not what was recorded as, as the plot to make him king in John 6, uh, 14 and 15, after the feeding of the 5,000. There may have been some that maybe threw that, that idea around, but it's not recorded. We, we see nothing but an astonished silence from them. We can only surmise that there was some level of astonishment, but nothing for sure. Matthew 15, 31 shows that after Jesus was, was, while Jesus was doing this healing ministry, that these, that these Gentiles glorified the God of Israel for Jesus's ministry, which was just before 
this miracle. So we can likely assume that many, if not all, again, glorified the God of Israel. They, prob- they seem to understand that Jesus was, obviously Jesus was Jewish, so it must be the God of Israel. Jesus and the 12 then get into a boat and cross the lake for the western shore. This time, Jesus got into the boat with the 12 and they departed together. He didn't need to get them away from the crowd fast before they get swept up in that messianic fervor of kingship. But he gets into the boat with them. This boat No explanation is given. It seems likely it is the one that they were accustomed to using. But we have no record of how, of them having it during this trick or how it, with this trip, or how it got to the other side. Because this trip seems to have been primarily over land. They walked north to Tyre and Sidon. Made, either made their way across or made their way back down and then around the lake. So this trip seems to be over land. So how did, this, how did their boat show up on the other side of the, of the lake? One author guesses that the boat was likely left in Capernaum where they had left and that some friends may have sailed it across after hearing that Jesus and the others were in the Decapolis region. But Mark's only concern with the boat seems to be that Jesus crossed the lake And as we'll see in a few verses, he recrossed the lake. Mark includes it just so we know that he's getting across the lake and we're going to see him cross back. Now it says they come to Dalmanutha. Matthew's account records that they came to to the borders of Magdala or Magadon. Dalmanutha is an unknown town, village. Um, It may have been Magdala. It may have been a town within the borders of Magdala. We, we don't know for sure. There's nothing really that points us to it. This is the only place it is referenced in the New Testament. So it may have been a small fishing village within the borders of Magdala, the way that Matthew records it. The point is that their destination was back in Galilee, back in Israel. Likely somewhere in the vicinity of the city of Magdala, which was southwest of Capernaum, possibly again in the plain of Gennesaret, which lie between Capernaum and Magdala. And things move on. Now, just to touch on, so we have seen really starting from middle of chapter 4, What we've been seeing is Jesus doing some teaching or healing, gets in a confrontation with the Pharisees, withdraws to a a Gentile region, returns, gets into a confrontation with the Pharisees, withdraws to a Gentile region, and returns, gets into a confrontation. This is the third confrontation, withdrawal, and return that Mark shows us. Let's look at verses 11 to 13. Guess what's coming up? 
Then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them and getting into the boat again, again departed to the other side. We have four accounts in Mark of confrontation with the Pharisees and a withdrawal from Israel to Galilee. And we'll see a return again. But we have four in Mark. So what do we see in this picnic that was provided for the Gentiles? Well, we see Jesus' compassion displayed once again. We see a level of his humanity as we referenced earlier. We see Jesus' divine power and authority as the creator to provide food for an immense crowd of people. We see Jesus was just as concerned for Gentiles as he was for the Jews. We see Jesus continuing to show God's grace to the Gentiles. And while this grace was a more physical outlet, even with some physical healing that led up to it, it is still God's grace. And it is only by God's grace that through Jesus we have salvation. We see here that the 12 should have been learning that the ministry Jesus was going to give to them would include Gentiles as well. We see in this section of Mark a continued rejection and confrontation with the Jews that Jesus and that Jesus finds acceptance and faith among Gentiles. That the Gentiles can receive the same grace and compassion from the God of Israel that Israel can receive. The cross is growing closer and closer, likely a year to less than a year away at this point. The ministry has shifted and enlarged to include the Gentiles as well as the Jews. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this reminder of Christ's humanity, compassion, divinity. We thank you for this reminder of grace that we see, the same grace that you have bestowed for salvation. And it is by that grace and grace alone, through faith in Jesus Christ, that we have salvation. Father, help us to look at this passage with a little bit clearer understanding. 
help us to better understand that this is a true account of a separate account of feeding such a large crowd. And that though the nation of Israel was your and is your chosen people, your grace and salvation includes all people. And that while Jesus is the Messiah of Israel, he is the Savior of the world. Help us to be reminded even of these truths as we look at this account. Help us never to grow weary of thanking you for the grace you have given to us, especially the grace of salvation. We pray these things, Father, in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.